0: friend of mine texted me the other day and he said that his son who works at a local restaurant had come home amazed at the tips he had received that day. And he said, I didn't think anything about it until I watched the video of your service. It can't be a coincidence that on the day that you said tip your server, my son got The best tips that he'd ever gotten. So uh, this is not from a member of our church, but it just, the word is out there that this church on Concord Road has lost their minds and um, is being generous to everybody. Uh, So I'm afraid we have established a precedent now that we have to keep and uh, and be generous uh, all the time. We had over 300 emails or uh, some kind of uh, communication from you about what happened when you were generous and when you lavishly tipped uh, your server wherever you were. It was an interesting uh, experience for some of you, the reaction that your server got uh, had for you uh, because they have been really, really hit by this pandemic and the difference that the real difference uh, that you were making. And uh, some of their lives, especially as school was starting back for some of these working moms and that kind of stuff. So uh, I celebrate with you and encourage you uh, to keep it up uh, because that kind of thing makes a difference in the kingdom of God and in your gospel uh, conversations. If we could only have a few minutes of peace and quiet, if we could only have just maybe a weekend where nobody talked about the pandemic or nobody talked about Afghanistan or nobody talked about politics, could we just have a few minutes of (sighs) peace and quiet? But here's what we're finding out about that. As much as we want peace and quiet, we have found out that just because everything is quiet does it mean there's peace. So the writer of Hebrews reminds us about the end of his great book. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus. The great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the God of peace Who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. In a world as frantic and as frazzled as ours, peace is very elusive. So help us settle into your peace that changes everything. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The book of Hebrews is one of the most difficult and challenging books to study in all of the New Testament. It has some of the most um, developed, deep, rich Christology uh, that that we have. That is the study of Jesus, who Jesus is. And it will take you months to break down everything that this writer gives us in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. And now, after 13 chapters of some of the richest writings we have, he comes to the end and says, peace out. Some of the strongest teachings we have are in Hebrews. Um, uh, don't forsake the gathering together. as Hebrews. Um, since we have such a great high priest... Approach the throne boldly. That's Hebrews. Uh, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, put away everything that encumbers you, every sin, and run the race that is before you. Faith is the assurance of things yet seen. The evidence of things that we hope for, long for. That's Hebrews. In fact, he tells us, I would love to bring you meat, the deep things of the faith, but you're not ready for it. So I'm going to have to bring you milk. What he brings us has, has overwhelmed us for thousands of generations of New Testament study. My word, what would we have done if he brought us the big stuff? That's one of the things when we find out who the writer of Hebrews is, I want to find him in heaven and go, really, what did you leave out? What did we miss? What could you not tell us that you wanted to tell us? And now, after all of this brilliant writing, he says peace. That doesn't cut it for us, does it? For in our culture, peace doesn't mean much. Uh, Peace is the way you say goodbye. Give somebody the peace sign, peace out, peace, bye, see you, peace. It is the absence of war, the absence of conflict. If two nations are at peace, it doesn't mean that they are cooperating to any level. It just simply means they are not at war. when a married married couple says we just want peace in our home they aren't saying they want a dynamic marriage they're saying they would just like to stop arguing for a few days peace so when you read this passage it sounds weak You've given us all of this great stuff. Now you're just saying, peace, I've got to go. Peace, read this letter. Peace, get, uh, you know, love your Peace. Come on. But the reason we think that is, is that we do not understand, or we do not take the time to understand how peace works in the New Testament, how it works throughout Scripture. Uh, The word peace is akin to the Hebrew word shalom, which doesn't mean peace or absence of war. It means completeness, wholeness, uh, matured, seasoned. Uh, when, uh, When there's peace in the Old Testament, things have come to their full maturity. Paul says that the peace of Christ will guard your heart. Now, what kind of peace does that? When you and I say peace, we're not talking about the ability to do combat. But this peace, this peace you put on the perimeter of your soul to guard your soul so that you can rest. What kind of peace do you look at and go, secure the perimeter. If anything comes, you take care of it. The first words that Jesus say to the disciples after the resurrection. Peace. Same word he said to the storm. Peace. You see, what was going on on the Sea of Galilee is the same thing that was going on in the hearts and the minds and the souls of the disciples after the resurrection. They were caught up in their own storm. And Jesus walks into their lives and says, peace. Now, you and I would go, great. Because we don't know how it works. Okay? Peace is like um, the bulldozer that levels the ground so all the other work can happen. Okay, you're going to build a house. You buy a lot. Okay, so you walk, you walk to the edge of the lot. There's little shrubs and scrubs and rocks and trees and everything. And your builder points out a stake and says, here's your driveway. It's a stick in the ground. Here's your front door. Another stick in the ground. And he says, now we'll, we'll have the excavation company come in and clean out your lot okay what does that mean it means everything above this high is gone the bulldozer comes in and pushes everything out so there's everything is left smooth uh, we're, we're told in Scripture that there is a river that flows from the very throne of God. And if you are a, a, a river rat like, like, like I am, then you know that you love to get hold of stones that have been in the river for years because they are smooth and round where the water has shaped them and smoothed them to there's no resistance. The peace of Christ is what goes ahead of the work of Christ. It overruns your life and smooths out everything. Then Jesus can do His work. Then you can join Jesus in His ministry. But you can't until the peace of Christ does its work. All right. All right. Let me show you how this works. Let me break it down for you. Okay. You grew up in a bad home. Okay, you didn't have a dad who loved you, didn't have a mom who loved you. And you grew up with that. You grew up with that pain. You grew up with that um, uh, that wound. And you're always trying to prove something. You're always angry. You're always sensitive. Uh, You're not going to let anybody treat you that way again. You're not going to let anybody say anything like that to you again. So you're always against the world. Okay, you got me? Okay, don't make me call your name out. Okay, really. All right, you're always against the world. You're always angry. All right, now what? You encounter Christ. And Christ says, Peace. And you say, There's no peace. I'm still angry at my dad. And Jesus says, Give me the anger. And you say, I can't. I have held on to it too long. It's what defines me. And Jesus will tell you, you can hold on to the anger or you can hold on to me, but you can't hold both. Now, I'm not being flippant about this. In your prayer life, you will say to Jesus, I can't be angry anymore. It's wearing me out. Jesus will say, give it to me. Jesus takes it to the cross. Jesus died for sins. Do you get that? Okay, you, think, you always think it's your sin, right? And it is, it is. This is my sin that named Jesus. All the sins of all the people in all the world, even the sins done against you, are nailed to that cross. Okay? Your father mistreated you. That is a sin against you. Your father can't make that right. He doesn't have the power. Jesus takes that sin, nails it to the cross, and leaves it there in the resurrection. Your father doesn't need to pay for the sin. You don't need to pay for the sin. It's nailed to the cross. For you to go on is telling Jesus, you died for all the sins except those done against me, and I've got to carry those. Uh That's real close to blasphemy. You better be careful with that one. Jesus nails it to the cross. All of the anger, all the resentment, all the hurt, Jesus nails that to the cross, he smooths out where the anger was and starts rebuilding your life. And he does it by reminding you what your father said about you doesn't determine you. It's what your heavenly father has spoken about you that determines you. It's what I as your savior say about you. That determines you. Have you ever noticed when Jesus calls somebody out he gives them the name that they're going to be? Okay? In the world you have to earn that. Jesus calls you to what you're, he calls Peter the rock. Okay? He wasn't even tough, tough, uh, tofu. He wasn't rock. Everybody knew it. I'm wondering if the disciples laughed out loud when Jesus said to Peter you're the rock. Come on, you can't miss it that bad. He would be. You see, Jesus starts calling that future out in you, naming that future. So that when somebody speaks something about your past, you smile and say, Yes, that's who I used to be. You're not offended. You're not defensive. Peace. See how that works? The peace is what comes first so that Jesus can do His work. Peace comes first. Then He gives you everything you need to do every good work. Come second. Some of you are praying that the Lord will give you what you need to do the work (laughs) and your little boat is tossed in the storm, if he gave it, you couldn't hold on to it. Peace. Then he'll give it to you. Everything you need. But let's not push it. Let's just try to get one thing today. Just one moment. What difference would it make in your office, in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, if you walked out of here, what the Bible describes as a person of peace? What if everything, every place you went settled down, eased up, because you walked into the room? if you brought the peace of Christ.